Come and dream with me. Hello and welcome to One Who Want to Watch the Explosion Network's premier media podcast. Every fortnight we get together to talk about movies, TV and online content and help you answer the question, do we like the new Toon Squad uniform? No, I'm not a fan. I'm your host Ashley Hobley, joining me this episode, Dylan Blight. Is that Tombstone uniform? The Toon Squad. Toon Squad, what's that? From Space Jam. I haven't seen this, You haven't so no. seen the new LeBron, yeah, it's, no. it, listen, it, it's not good. They change the colors. It's like blue instead of the white, oh. and they've they, they put the circle like on the side instead of in the um, middle. So, gotta be, so gotta be part honest. of the circles on the shorts, so they don't line up all the time. How are they going to animate that? If if you'd pointed this out, if you hadn't pointed this out, I'm not sure I would have noticed and or cared. What color were they in the second movie? Then were they different? In the first movie, they were white. No, oh, they didn't play basketball in the second one, right? Okay. What are you talking about? Looney there was Tunes no second back in action. <laughs> That's the second one. No, it's not the second. It is completely though. separate. I saw that in the cinema. Yeah, but it's not a sequel to Space Jam. Yeah, it is. It's still Looney Tunes, right? Back in action. Yeah, it's Why are they Tunes. back in action? Why are they back in action? They're back in action from their Looney Tune. They're back in action because it's the second movie. What a tone to set for this show. <laughs> <laughs> we have a big one. We'll be talking about what's in your watch history. We'll be covering a fair bit of news this week. Uh, and then we'll be talking about the movie we ended up watching, Death at a Funeral. Uh, but we'll kick things off with a quick thoughts, spoiler-free thoughts, on the big release this week, Tenant. Dylan, what did you think of Tenant? The latest film, Christopher Nolan. The movie that will save cinemas everywhere. Look, I was still going to cinemas, no matter what. But you know, that's that's just a little on me in Tasmania. Everywhere, everywhere. Um, yeah, no, Tenet. Uh, Tenet is a uh, it's a fun little sci-fi movie that is uh, very very messy. It's fun, cool ideas, great performances. Messy, very very messy. Uh, Nolan's messiest movie, I feel, even messier than what I felt like was was his messiest, which was. Uh, interstellar so that's my mini review mini review uh i also enjoyed it i think it is a freight train going down the tracks like super super fast you just go way too fast that's the problem uh this if you weren't if you didn't like the audio mix in his most recent films you're not going to be happy with the audio mix in this one it is it's difficult to hear dialogue sometimes uh which is a pain because the dialogue of could potentially be very important in this film uh, to, e- to explain a lot of the concepts that are involved. Um, but I had a good time. Good cast. Uh, unfortunately, there's not much character growth, but, you know, you can't have everything, apparently. Uh, but if you Who go look, <laughs> if you want our full spoiler-filled thoughts, uh, we've got a discussion on this podcast feed, so check that out. Uh, moving on. Dylan, you watched the first couple of episodes of the new HBO series, uh, Lovecraft County, Country, from, it's Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams, executive producers. I They're two of them. Oh, two They're of not them. the, the not main showrunners. They, you know. showrunner. So, yeah, who I can't remember, but, you know, it's just like, just like that little old movie, Candyman, who's not directed by... 
by John Peel, but everyone just still says he's directing it's it. So. To him, yeah. It's fine. Lovecraft Country County, yeah, uh, written and produced and directed by John Peel. Love, love that. It's uh, <laughs> HBO. Filling time to I find an answer. Misha Green is the creator and the showrunner of the show. So nothing like another series that John Peel has helped. Uh, another uh, fantastic up and coming. Uh, <laughs> another project black, done by a black woman. Bl- a black woman. Uh, who he helps out and nothing like just automatically giving credit to John Peel. That, that's the, <laughs> that's the, <laughs> hey, it's not my fault. It is their fault for advertising it that way. Um, they stick kids and JJ Abrams <laughs> names in the trailer. Everybody's going to attribute to them. That's true. I guess. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Lovecraft, uh, Lovecraft County. I have no idea how to talk about this show, but I shall try. Let's set up. The show literally starts with the main character who is uh, played by Jonathan Majors. Uh, Atticus Freeman is the character's name. And the, the show literally starts with Atticus the, Black. the first... Sorry? Atticus Black, I think. Is it? Oh, it says Freeman here, but sure. It says Black on this Google what? synopsis. What? <laughs> um, so the, the show literally starts with a scene of him like in World War Two, or some war. I mean, it's probably just the war he was in. Anyway, looked like World War II. Uh, there's tanks, there's all sorts of shit. Uh, next second, there's like giant uh, world, world of the war ships flying over, tentacle monsters, then a giant, uh, then a, a naked lady who's all red and like got a tail comes down. Basically, it has every HP Lovecraft kind of uh, go to thing in the first couple minutes of the show, and it kind of just all froze at you, and it's very confusing. Uh, he's asleep on a bus, though, is what you find out. And then we come back to our main character. And the, the setup is that he is an avid reader. Uh, he's returning home to find his father because he got a letter from his father. His father's played by uh, Michael Kenneth Williams in this. Uh, his father sent him a letter and said that he's going off to in search of his mother's family in Arkham, uh, the, te- the, the, the town or area or whatever you want to call it of Arkham, which isn't real. It's not a real place in America. However, it is a re- it's a, f- a fictional place in H.P. Lovecraft's uh, fictional world. And he knows this because he, he loves to read the, the sci-fi novels. His, uh, his uncle, who's played by uh, Courtney B. Vance, he is also a big fan of the the sci-fi novels. And in the first episode, it starts kind of simple. Like, he heads home, he speaks to his uncle, he bumps into a childhood friend who's played by uh, Jenny Smollett, who most people would know from, well, I know, at least, from recently seeing her in Birds of Prey, where she plays um, Black, Black Widow. Black Canary, sorry. Black Widow, Black Canary. Black Wrong, Canary, yeah. Um, long universe, Jesus Christ. Um and she's quite good. They're all great. So they, they set out. She she wants to go halfway to somewhere. They're heading in that direction anyway. And the first episode just starts off with them heading off to find this place on this map, uh, which they believe is where his, uh, Atticus's father has headed. And the first episode starts relatively simple. Uh, it, well, I mean, in the scheme of things, there is one... The, the, the first episode heavily plays into the, the 50s time period and... The the race issues, I guess, would be the I don't know the the, the stuff that was obviously happening with uh, black people back then in America. 
so like there's there's literally a scene where they go into a diner and they're sitting down and it's all very quiet and they found the diner because they followed a um a guidebook to get there which uh if that's what that that movie that one best picture covers green book hey um they followed a guidebook to get there but then when they get there they just Atticus looks down and he's like why is the floorboards burnt and being covered over with all this white paint and then they discover yeah all the black people have been run out of that town and they should not be there and then there's a quite intense scene where they're chased out of town being shot at by a bunch of white dudes chasing them because they're legally back then they could just say you know no black people in our town they they go through some towns that are called sundown towns where you, uh, you weren't to be caught there after sundown or else you were legally allowed to be shot and killed. So the show starts relatively grounded in its horror themes and its horror themes are racism. However, halfway, near the end of the episode, they're in the forest and they run into giant monsters which start killing people and ripping their limbs off. And at first you're kind of like, this is crazy. This isn't a, this is a real thing, but apparently it's real. And the second episode only gets weirder. And it's, it's, I really have no idea what the show's about because the second episode felt like it was a season finale. Like so much happened and it was very whiplashy, especially because the first episode is kind of grounded for the most part of it. And the second episode just goes so deep into sci-fi HP Lovecraft inspired storyline elements and all these sorts of things it gets really fucking weird and wacky however it's like being on a wild ride and i'm like i'm enjoying this i'm very confused but i'm very much enjoying it and i'm on for more to the point that i actually brought the book last night and started reading it because and i googled the book i was like when the book came out book only came out 2016 300 pages i'll give it a go so i i, I started seeing that to see if there's any, any much differences it's, it's a weird show. I really don't know how it's, I, I guess to, <laughs> it to sum it up, the show is about Lovecraft, H.P. Lovecraft, the author, and his intersection in like modern day society, but where like the crossover, because obviously H.P. Lovecraft, well, obviously, in case you don't know, H.P. Lovecraft, racist, right? That's a, that's a, that's a known fact, big racist one of the most well-known sci-fi authors that inspires lots of games, movies, books, TV shows, whatever that you've probably read, read written, watched, played. Um, however, giant racist. So the, the, this show has a, a weird connecting point where it is a Lovecraft-inspired story with all of his monsters seemingly in it or uh, uh, being inspired by all his works. However, it stars an old black, cla- uh, black cast and it's dealing with 50s racism at the time so it's, it's kind of like a weird mix so I'm, I'm keen to see more i just have no idea where the show goes from where it ended it's two episodes in i'm like this is the season finale what the fuck <laughs> what? i'm not even joking like episode two was so much happens <laughs> so much happens that you feel like it's over but it's, it's apparently not apparently we've got six episodes left crazy yeah, that's uh, Lovecraft Country, available on Foxtel. Changing the tone completely, uh, I checked out the new Disney Plus film, Magic Camp, uh, starring... Really? Adam- 
Yeah, really changing the tone. Starring Adam Devine, uh, Jeffrey Tambor, and Jillian Jacobs. Adam Devine plays a failed musician, uh, magician, or a down on his luck magician who's currently work doing cabs, working as a cabbie because he can't afford a fancy enough car to be an Uber, Uber driver uh, in Las Vegas. And he gets recruited by his old mentor, uh, played by Jeffrey Tambor, to go work at a magic themed summer camp. Uh, and he to help these kids learn magic and that kind of thing. Uh, it is a it's a charming, fun, like heartwarming film. I mean, uh, it got me emotional towards the climax. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, the kids are really good in this film, especially uh, Nathaniel McIntyre, who plays Theo, the main like protagonist's child. Um, there's a nice mix in of different kids, and yeah, it's just a fun. Good-hearted film uh, that they'll make you feel good. Uh, of course, the magic's interesting. I mean, they all. I don't know how much was actually practical and how much was like done with uh, TV. I think it's all real magic. You'll find so. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, but yeah, uh, there's a lot to like there. So you know, if you've got kids, that's that's a one to check out. Uh, Dylan, you recently checked out a movie that was playing at the Melbourne International Film Festival. She dies tomorrow. Mm. What is, what's that film about? Let me let me first just on the Melbourne International Film Festival. I wish the, here's my s- summary of Melbourne International Film Fe- Festival. I think it was sixty eight point five. Was it? Wasn't it? Some, uh, I think that was the number. Um, so especially because earlier today they sent our survey where if you filled it out, you could win a full pass to next year's event. So obviously I did that. But one of the <laughs> questions, several of the questions relate to like, if we did an online event in the future, you know, obviously they're looking into if, if may, I guess. Listen, there's a, if there's a good chance that everything is still shit in 12 months time, yeah. how do we do or it? Or maybe it went well enough for them that they would consider doing maybe not yeah, as the part full of, event yeah. online, but a mini event online in um, coordination with it. Hmm. Um, so on that, I'll say this cool, cool to see that they moved online, kind of annoyed that they still had limited slots for stuff. I don't know how that works into potentially them only owning, uh, like buying a license to air the film to a certain amount of people and not to, you know what I mean? Like, so for for example, my key example is I wanted to watch first cow. That's, that's my hot one. one. They only had one showing on the, the, the first night or whatever that, the, the festival began and I couldn't book my t- tickets in advance because I wasn't sure when I was working so that kind of annoyed me I, I, I'd say going forward if they do one it should just be on demand on demand especially with the price they're charging so most of the movies were somewhere between 12 to 15 dollars to rent which you know that's going to cinema prices so I feel like if you're going to charge that at least just make it on demand so you, you can get more people or, into or charge premium on demand price for an on-demand. Like yeah. $15 if you can make this screening. And then a bit more expensive because you have a bit more freedom as to when you'll be able to watch it. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of other cool things. I, w- I wish I could have covered more. I would have, in a dream world, I would have reviewed a heap and had a fucking like, <laughs> you know, here's all the Melbourne International yeah. film. But anyway, so I only got time to watch one. Uh, she does tomorrow. So I uh, have a review out. Explosionnetwork.com gave it an eight. I can see a lot of people giving this movie a two. I, I feel like this is <laughs> going to be 
It's very uh, divisive movie for people who, who who watch it. Very weird movie. The the core premise is the movie starts. The main character, I think, off the top of my head, name's Amy. I think um, she she gets home, and you quickly learn that she f- somehow, in some way, has learnt that she's going to die tomorrow. Now you don't know how, why, what, when. It doesn't really matter, but she knows she's going to die tomorrow. She's so dead set she's going to die tomorrow. And the first 10 to 15 minutes of this movie, there's no dialogue. It is more or less of her moving around the house, uh, kind of sulking, doing a lot of weird things. But it kind of worked for me because this movie is morbidly comedic. So, like, there's no dialogue, more or less, apart from her, like, kind of grunting or saying, like, a little thing here and there as she moves around for the first 10 minutes, touching things, like, touching the wall, very, like almost sexually touching the wall. It's quite confusing. And then she goes outside. She's like touching all these leaves and all this other stuff. She's drinking the entire time, just like bottles of wine. And then when her friend turns up, Jane turns up at the house. He's played by, um, fuck, I can't remember her name. It's the most famous person in this, I feel. Well, oh, Michelle Rodriguez is in it, so can't let's, <laughs> for, for, for what, uh, by the way, she's in it for like five minutes. It's a very, <laughs> it was a very small role. And I think if you Google the movie, her name shows up. Uh, Jane, uh, Jane is played by Jane Adams. who, um, if you watch a lot of like indie sort of stuff, she's in, uh, Eternal Sunshine is what the number one thing on the IMDb, for example. Anyway, um, so she turns up and like the first major line of the movie is Jane turns up at Amy's house and walks in, sees all this bottle of wine and it's like, oh my God, walks outside, shouts out to her, Amy turns around, and then she just replies, I think I want to be a leather jacket when I die. Now, I find that funny. The delivery was great. The fact that she thinks she's going to die. The fact that two minutes earlier, you just seen a scene of her silently opening up a laptop, Googling uh, cremation vases, and just kind of scrolling. And then she suddenly just starts Googling for leather jackets. And you're like, why is she randomly Googling for leather jackets? And the payoff is that she's Googling leather jackets because the the entire first 10 minutes is her contemplating what she becomes when she dies. That's that's her process. Like, she's touching the wall, going, this is dead. She's going outside, she's touching the leaves, going, this is dead. This is, all these things in my house are dead. What am I going to be when I did? Like she, she's like this. I'm, I'm, she's listening to records, and she's listening. The song she's listening to, I looked it up after. I forgot to um, earlier before. The song she's listening to is like a famous Beethoven piece, which if you heard, you would know. I can't remember the name of it, but the the story behind that one piece is apparently he, it's the last last piece he wrote, and apparently he reckoned he, um, the, the history sa- says that like he he reckoned he was going to die, like he he discovered he was going to die as he was going to write it. Which I'm like, wow, that's some like smart trivia shit happening there but anyway so then uh, amy and jane turn up just like the first 10 minutes uh then somehow because in this movie to to they never really explain this obviously and it's kind of left open to interpretation i feel like that's a given at this stage uh but is death a real disease who knows but jane gets it she goes home she goes sees other people jane spreads it. so now this disease is spreading like the fucking plague everyone starts realizing they're going to die and more or less, the movie is following a couple key characters and shows what those characters do in the face of knowing that they're going to die tomorrow. So there's one character uh, who we, d- we don't have much time with, but what we do see is when he finds out he's going to die tomorrow, the first thing he does is he goes to the hospital and he turns off his dad's uh, life support. Who he, You find out his dad's been on it for years. And as soon as he does it, he's like, I wish I, I, I should have done that years ago. I should have put him out of his misery. 
His girlfriend then says that she wants to break up with him. And she's like, I should have done that. But I was waiting, waiting for your dad to die before I did it. So I didn't hurt your feelings. Like, it's really brutal, but on it, like, weirdly, um, the movie just kind of dives into the psyche of what would you do if you knew for sure that you were going to d- die tomorrow? So Amy's character is having this whole, like, self-dive into wondering what she could be useful in the, in the afterlife. Um, other characters are worried about their family. Uh, there's another character, I won't spoil who in case people do watch it, but there's a couple of characters who do bad things and that obviously shows their their kind of self-centered nature in the in the in the face of their death and yeah it's a very art house film very 12 o'clock at sbs but i i very much enjoyed it it's shot beautifully it's shot by the same person who shot john wick 2 uh, it features a lot of neon colored lights that you see every time a character uh i guess like they click onto the fact that they're realizing they're dying they kind of look into these neon lights uh, but I wouldn't call it a horror movie. I don't think it's even, yeah, even IMDb doesn't have it a, as a horror movie. In fact, it lists it as a comedy drama mystery, which is about right. I would say thriller, comedy, drama. But again, like the comedy worked for me. Very fucking dark humor. Very dark humor, but I liked it. And the, the mystery part, I don't need the mystery solved. It's a very introspective, weird movie the kind of thing you'd kind of expect to see at the melbourne international film festival there you go (laughs) okay cool um i guess changing the tone again wow here we go what did you watch on disney now (laughs) no back on uh episode 50 of this podcast uh called what movies are coming in 2020 Mm. super relevant and accurate Mm -hmm. uh, in hindsight i watched the first two films in a trilogy uh i watched Olympus has fallen oh, and go. London has fallen. Uh, I've now completed the trilogy and watched mm. 2019's Angel has fallen. Uh, of course, starring Gerald Butler as a, a, a secret service agent. In this film, he gets he gets a uh, uh, set him up as trying to kill the president. All right, played I saw by a trailer Morgan for this Freeman one. Yeah, by drones. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, <laughs> It, it, it uh, yeah, it, it, it's kind of like action dribble, dribble, really. Um, Isn't that all of them, though? Yeah, kind of. But, <laughs> I mean, the first one was kind of enjoyable. Uh, second one was all right. This one is just off the rails crazy with the the drones. Is the, <laughs> this army of drones come flying over this lake that Morgan Freeman's fishing on and kill everybody. <laughs> <laughs> except, except it's the, the birds. <laughs> yeah, except Gerald Butler. Uh, it doesn't help that uh, his wife got recast for this last film. Red Ryder Mitchell played the wife in the first two films, and then Piper Perabo plays the wife. And because there was so much time in between the two films, mm. I'm like that is that that the same person who played his wife in the two films? And apparently, no, no, it's not. My uh, my key question I just thought of that I don't really care about, but I'll ask anyway. Was Morgan Freeman in the second one? He was in all of them. What? Okay, I'm confused. How's <laughs> <laughs> he always what? there? Because he's you, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> so you're telling me in the first one, in the they first try and one, kill him. No, Morgan Freeman in the first film, he's Speaker of the House. He's not the president. Oh. In the first film, the first film and the second film, the president is played by Aaron Eckhart. Oh, then see, in the second the film, 
Morgan Freeman's a vice president. And ah. in this film, he's a president. You know, ah, so that's why they have to finish it because he can't can't go any higher that he can't get promoted anymore. Last one. Uh yeah, so it's all this big conspiracy. Uh Nick Nolte shows up as Gerald Butler's father. Yeah. You know, it's like Harrison he's- it's like Harrison every time I watch the trailer, it just reminds me what's that Harrison Ford movie where he goes on the run? Uh The Fugitive. Fugitive right. is very much yeah. the fugitive. Yeah, except that, every time I watched the trailer, I thought it was that, but like it's like action explosion version of the fugitive. Yeah, Fast and Furious, but the fugitive. Yeah, yeah. So you know, watch that, that. No family. Not great. So yeah, that that's your <laughs> fallen trilogy. Uh, information for this episode. All in, all, seen all of them. Haven't seen uh, Schindler's List, but I've seen all three of those films. There we go. Uh, yep. That tells you a lot. Uh, also watched another critically planned film, uh, Mortal Engines. Uh, the I'm pretty sure it was Peter Jackson executive produced this film. Um, yeah, he was one of the producers, directed by Christian Rivers. Uh, set in like a post-apocalyptic world where apparently all cities are on these giant wheeled machine engine things. Um... This was a interesting mess, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it's just that the art design behind it is really good, but the plot is batshit crazy. There's golems and giant nuclear weapons and so much portrayal, and it it's just weird. Uh, but it's also boring, which, you know, <laughs> didn't help it. Uh Seems to have gotten some sort of revival. Obviously, came back on Netflix, and th- a lot of those mediocre films seem to get like a second life for at least yeah, for, like, the first week. It's based on a week. book, and they're like, "Oh, they try to squeeze too much into the book. Let's do it as a TV series." That is def. As I was watching this, they definitely needed to have been a TV series, but it's on. It's it's that kind of book where they wouldn't have been able to get a budget to do like the cities and everything properly mm. for a TV series. So. Kind of doomed if you do, and doomed if you don't. It's like they introduce a major character like halfway through. They release many major characters like halfway through the film. Uh, suddenly, uh, I remember so watching it, the trailer and being like, "I kind of want to watch this because Robert Sheehan or whatever Robert yeah. Sheehan's in it." Sheehan, Robert yeah. Sheehan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's fine. He he's very different to anything else you've probably seen him in. So you know, he's playing like a straight leading man. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's fine. I got nothing else to say about that. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's interesting to look at, but other than that, not much to go go on there. Uh, Dylan, it seems like you've been taking advantage of your Shutter subscription. Checked out the first episode of Cursed Films. Yeah, so that's uh diving into films that have. Well, as the title says, Cursed Histories. The first one is all about the Exorcist. Yeah. Um, yep. And I don't know if... I might continue watching it because I there's some stuff, some of the episodes are about like poltergeist and stuff that I don't know too much about. I feel like the reason I didn't particularly enjoy the first one, and this is just a general documentary type thing where you already know a lot about the thing and I'm just like feel like I'm just it was very like bare bones I already knew the deaths that happened I already knew all the rumors I felt but again I feel like the problem is that 
the audience for this show is probably the people who already know all this stuff and just want it deep dived and investigated more, but it was kind of trying to fit towards a little bit of extra information for those people while also bringing in people who may not know any of this sort of stuff. And I feel like it would have been a lot better to just go like it's on a horror streaming service thing. Just like go full nerdy into the expect people to already know the bare bones of why these films are considered cursed and and what the stories are and then just go 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 from there so i I don't know if i'll return maybe maybe not okay uh and then you also watched uh insidious the last key yeah so ready for this one i couldn't remember what this one was i saw it pop up on netflix (laughs) and i I watched this while i was doing something else i was multi this was a multitask film but anyway so i saw it pop up and i just wanted to click something so i could get started watching something and do some work and I'm watching it, watching it, watching it. And I hadn't seen it before. I know that. And it finished. I'm like, yeah, that was that wasn't too hot, was it? But then I IMDb it, and they're like, this is the fourth one. I'm like, the fourth one? Fuck! I haven't seen the third one. So anyway, I skipped a movie. <laughs> 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 Not that it's important because I believe the, uh, the 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 other one is maybe after or before. Either way, it's not connected enough that I needed the the information to. Uh, to watch this one, but I should yeah. probably go do that. I've done this before, though, weirdly enough, with Annabelle, <laughs> where I watched Annabelle and I um I went and watched the one in the cinema, the third one. I can't remember the name of it, but I, re- I actually really liked that one. And I was sitting there watching it, walk out of the cinema. I'm like, that movie was fucking hot. Lo- Love that. That was a good horror movie. Type in Annabelle, looking up. I'm like, fuck, there was an Annabelle 2 I missed somewhere. <laughs> 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 I kept doing it with these, like, Insidious-related franchises yeah. they make them so fast yeah. apparently i miss some <laughs> yeah i think you're fine because apparently insidious 3 chapter 3 there you go. is a prequel to the first two films yeah but yeah this was a prequel to the first two films as well but oh, i think geez. it's after <laughs> this way i guess this what this one mean it doesn't matter it's a so that one's a sequel to this prequel i think so yeah so the, the first two are uh with patrick wilson and whatever and vera Farmiga. yeah and then the third one and the fourth one Basically, take the old lady and her sidekicks who come in to help them, uh, and then spin them off, but not spin them off. Like make it the third and fourth one. Hmm. Interesting. All right, so that's the correct order to watch. Yeah. Anyway, it wasn't very good. That's it wasn't very good. No, it wasn't very good. Uh. So I went on a bit of a documentary kick, which I think you did as well. I did as well. Certainly. Weirdly. Uh. So I watched the new Disney Plus documentary. Howard, which focuses on the life of songwriter Howard Ashman, who is best known as the composed the writer of the stage musical Little Shop of Horrors, but also worked did the lyrics for Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin. Um, it, it's a really interesting look at his life. Obviously, someone you probably didn't know much about, and who probably affected your childhood a fair bit when you go back and think about it. Um, Pretty much just a basic documentary following his life um, of him being a gay man in the early, like, 80s and 90s. And, you know, he, his life sort of coming to a... Uh, cut, being cut short due to complications with AIDS at the age of 40 in 1991. So, I mean, interesting to... One, it's on Disney+. Plus, um, But I guess also to 
have this sort of interesting look at this uh, person who uh, affected, who kind of <laughs> had such a big impact, I guess, on Disney animation of that time, like their kind of resurgence um, in that period of time with those three movies sort of rebirthed Disney animation to a certain extent. And I think his music was a big factor in that. So uh, definitely worth checking that one out. Uh, then I watched, uh, best worst thing that ever could have happened. So this is a documentary, uh, released in 2016, directed by Lonnie Price about the original production of the Broadway musical, Merrily We Roll Along, which was a Stephen Soddenheim, uh, production. And the thing about this was musical is it was shut down from Broadway, like five, six shows in. Or, like, it ended its run very quickly, uh, which was saying something because, obviously, Stephen Sondheim, at that point, was, like, putting out hit after hit after hit. Uh, he was doing, like, what he's known for, West Side Story, uh, Company. Uh, the one he did right before was Sweeney Todd. So, for <laughs> kind of having a look into how that musical came about, sort of the disappointment of it ending so quickly... But then it's also focused on all the principal actors in the film and where all their lives have come since that production have finished. Um, and all of them have sort of ended up going in different directions, uh, except the, probably the best known actor out of that group, Jason Alexander, who went on to uh, star in Seinfeld uh, not long after that. So, uh, yeah, really interesting um, look into like a Broadway documentary into that lifestyle and that kind of thing um, on Netflix. Uh, also interesting because, of course, Richard Linklater is currently working on a film adaptation of Mary We Roll Along, uh, where the musical <laughs> takes place over a 20-year period, and Richard oh, Linklater of is making that one over 20 years. Um, so for me to find out a bit more about that musical explains why he's taking 20 years to make this <laughs> film or like 12 years or whatever however long it's going to take to to make this merry we roll along film so uh because apparently the musical goes backwards in time like it starts off with the characters old and ends up at the end of the musical with them all young so they have to shoot it backwards yes so you know interesting stuff <laughs> uh so, if you're following politics at all, you know that around this time, we've had the Democratic National Convention online in America. They're currently doing the Republic National Republican National Convention at the moment. So, I was trying to learn a bit more about it. So, I checked out the Showtime series. It's currently airing on Stan the Circus. Um, so, if you don't know, they get a bunch of different... They've got a team of, like, political pundits and that kind of thing and they've been following like the democratic nominee race this uh fifth season um well just just to butt in quickly and say an asterisk that show that show was originally started when the original election was on and it was supposed to be a mini series following the the circus that was happening at the time right and that's why they called it it was supposed to be a mini series and it was really like one, yeah. Yeah, it was supposed to be a one and done thing, and it was so good. And it's it's kind of so good because of the the main uh, kind of people that are on it, the pundit yeah, dudes. But I just pundits. find it hilarious the fact that they called it the circus, 
was supposed to be a one and done, and they keep coming back because the circus does not stop. <laughs> yes, so I've obviously this fifth season following this year. Uh, of they they're really timely. Like they had an episode like right after the Kamala Harris no- vice president nomination. Then they had one right after the Democratic nomination. So I'm sure there will be one right after the Republican convention. Um, explain kind of explaining how everything comes along. Uh, sort of especially now going back and seeing how. Uh, John B- Joe Biden got the d- Democratic nomination. How he finally. <laughs> conquered bernie sanders was like interesting to relive i guess or to be get informed about um so if you're interested in american politics i guess that's worth a look and now i went back and started watching season one <laughs> which is interesting to watch in hindsight yeah uh where everybody's shit talking donald trump and now they're all mm-hmm. like you know on his side and everything so uh you know american history crazy so after watching that, I wanted to be a bit more uplifted. Uh, I watched the documentary "The Final Year," uh, which follows parts of the Obama administration during the final year of his term. Uh, mainly focused around who was it? Uh, John Kerry, who was the Secretary of State. Uh, Samantha Power, who was the uh, representative to the United Nations, I believe, off the top of my head, and Ben Rhodes, who was uh, Barack Obama's chief. Uh, speed like key speech writer person um there wasn't a lot of information in this it was kind of, obviously it's you can't do much i guess with with the administration i guess there's only so much they'll let you mm-hmm. film and that kind of thing uh but yeah i mean it was interesting to see that and then i guess the most interesting part of the film was to see all their reactions to election night like all the way through they're like yeah we're going to win the next election hillary's going to be the next president and then election night, and everybody's depressed, you know. And then they're all cleaning what out their offices. What a sum up! Everyone's thinking. depressed. Like, <laughs> everyone's depressed. Yeah. So that's that. Uh, I did watch another documentary. We need to talk about it in the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. Uh, so on the back of that, I watched Becoming, the uh, Michelle Obama documentary. Uh, which honestly is just a promotional thing for a book. Uh, it pretty much is, it does cover her life, but the it's kind of set around her doing a book tour for a book and that she was doing like full on stadium book uh, Q and A's uh, with different, she'd get a different uh, interviewer every night. So she had like Stephen Colbert, she had Conan, she had um, Diane, no, a lot of other, she had Gail, she had Oprah one night. She had a bunch of different people ask her questions, sort of cut it together with like going back through her history of her life and before she met Barack and then how she felt during the presidency. Also intercut with her going to see uh, young people because obviously she was very involved with, that's kind of what she wants to do post- Civil uh, rights issues. And civil so. rights stuff and like talking to young children. and uh, Yeah, I mean, it gave me more of an appreciation for what she did and how she had to handle all the battle. <laughs> All the shit that the Republican Party were throwing at her mm. when really she was just a bystander to a certain degree. Um, but yeah, an interesting thing. But again, a, more of an... A, in As its whole, it's more of an ad for a book. <laughs> I think you'll find that's the benefit of when you've set up your own documentary production company as the Obamas now have. <laughs> yeah, you can just <laughs> you can do <laughs> advertise you your own stuff. Oh. 
Uh, so let's see what else we got in here. Dylan, <laughs> staying on a slightly po- political slant. Yeah. I've seen you've been watching Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich. Yeah, I smashed that out. I think it was only like four episodes or something. Um, yeah, no, it's it, it's pre- it's pretty good. I feel like it could have gone deeper, but then, well, oh, I guess I should. I f- wished it had gone deeper. I'm not sure if they could have gone deeper because legally, th- well, legally, and also just there's so many question marks still about Jeffrey Epstein and just him as a person. But no, it it, it definitely was interesting. Um, it's hard to watch at times. Obviously, a lot of the stuff most people know, but then anytime you're still having to listen to any one of the survivors of his sexual abuse or like the young girls who are now older they've got them from all over the place like one of them's now living in queensland they're interviewing her could be living right next year i should never know um <laughs> then um you know there's a couple of us they, they interview one's living in spain and anytime they're talking to them like the one who lives in spain now talks about how she was on epstein island and she tried to run away and was like going to jump off the cliff and all these other sorts of things, but she was just getting followed everywhere. Like lots of crazy shit that basically they were kind of kidnapped and held on this island. And uh, you hear about all the 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 young, especially the anytime you hear about them talking about being like fourteen year olds, and they're like, oh, you know, this guy just offers us two hundred dollars to give a massage to him, and then next second he was like, take your clothes off. Like it gets obviously dark fast because that's kind of jeffrey epstein's uh i know on the internet everyone kind of just treats him as a as a a a meme to a degree however he is a i mean when you boil it down i'm sure he's got many crimes to his name but his biggest one is a he was running a young child like sexual predator ring like he was literally had a an organization and they they kind of go over that in the documentary where he would like if if a girl would refuse, he would be like he wouldn't get angry at them. Instead, he would offer them money to bring a friend around. So then, and then he would offer them money to bring a friend around, and then money to bring a friend around. So he basically had this kind of never-ending looping hole. And uh, they go over how the first time they tried to the Florida police or whatever tried to uh, get him in like two thousand eight or whatever, and like there was a huge cover-up from the government. Of course, they go over the Trump stuff kind of briefly. Uh, not much you can go on that because probably legally it doesn't help that he's the president now. Maybe they could more if uh, he wasn't. But, you know, there's there's lots of threads to pull out there. Even, of course, the Bill Clinton stuff, which is weird because the, the, one of the, the girls on there, she's like, I saw Bill Clinton several times on the island. but he was, And she plainly says that Bill Clinton was someone who she never saw doing anything weird. Like, he was just there on like business stuff to do with because Epstein of course did do what business shit on the side to make his billions of dollars um but then she rightfully points out like I never saw him do anything weird so I don't know why he doesn't just come out and say yes I did go to that island blah 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 because Bill Clinton's come out and been like I was never on that island there's pictures of you on the boat Bill like there's pictures of you on the plane, Bill. Like, there's, there's manifests of you going on the fucking plane, Bill. The fuck are you covering up there? And, you know, and like the one of the girls points out, you know, when the election was happening, she's like, great. So Donald Trump, friend of Epstein. Hillary Clinton, wife of, friend of Epstein. And she said that, like, that was the worst 
when the both nominees were up, she's like, what the fuck do I do? Like, all these people are connected. So, um, interesting. Jeffrey Epstein, maybe we'll hopefully find out more one day. There's still heaps of his little uh, schemers and horrible, horrible people that he's friends with, that, including Donald Trump, uh, that hopefully can get their justice one day. And I don't know, as much as the internet likes to spend all their time on Reddit trying to work out if he killed himself or someone forced him to kill himself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's definitely some, you know, 50 years from now, there's a, hopefully we have it all. <laughs> there's, there's a lot there. Uh, staying on topic, you checked out the documentary Athlete A. What's that one about? Uh, yeah, so sexual <laughs> predators. <laughs> yeah, should be laughing, but yeah. Um, so that, that, that's, this is a good documentary dives into something I, I didn't know anything about so that was that was good although it's hard to watch again because uh it is about i think it's called the u.s like i don't remember the official name u.s olympics i think is the like the names like literally just the the branch of olympics that is basically before like that trains all the people that will go to olympics for the u.s um and how there was a certain doctor there who was sexually abusing and young girls or even older girls at times or but primarily young girls and kind of getting away with it because all the people above him were covering for him because i don't know i don't i I mean i I really don't know I, i kind of assumed they were like he's a good doctor i don't like i don't know why they would were covering for him but uh, it does have a somewhat happy ending for this one. Spoilers, because dude actually is in prison now uh, for like two sixty year terms or something like that. So, spoilers, you're gonna die there. Good riddance. Um, <laughs> but this one was interesting because there's just I don't I don't particularly pay too much attention to Olympics in general, yet alone like what happens, like how how do you because it focuses on these girls who are, are gymnasts, right? And, and it's some of those things I don't think about because I don't care, but I'm like, how does someone go from being good as a young girl to suddenly being in the Olympics before they're 18? Like, how do you... Like, it's, it's weird when you think about it. Like, they're not even adults and they're they're uh, on the Olympic team or potentially on the Olympic team. You never really... Well, I think historically gymnasts have been younger purely because they're more flexible when they're younger and are thus able to pull off those yeah, crazy I, so stuff. They, they As you get older, it, you get a bit more. They cover it somewhat briefly in it, and they say it actually started somewhere like fucking Russia, which I guess explains Probably. why that you explains see all these <laughs> memes, like in movies, the, the girls are always like ballerinas or, or like gymnasts or some shit like that. Um, they Because this one guy explains how Russia was doing it, and they started doing it because the girl, they could kind of berate the young girls into doing what they wanted easier than older girls. Like, the coaches could be tougher and mentally sort of abuse the girls, but it worked. And then the US caught onto this and was like... Because they they, he, he outwardly just says that they'll get these young girls come in, like 10, 12, whatever, and be like, you're a fat piece of shit, like, even if they do good. Like, to, to constantly put them down to do better, and they won't fight back because they're like, well, the adult's telling me I suck, so... I have to do better. Like mm. it's it's dark. It's weirdly dark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I checked out the documentary series High Score that just released on Netflix, which is a video game documentary series. 
kind of focusing on the history of uh, video games. It's very surface level to a certain degree, like they touch on. It's very much, each episode is kind of focused on a different genre of video games, like platformer and puzzler and RPG and uh, eventually first person shooter. Um, I mean, it's okay. I don't think anyone who, uh, there's not a lot there that people who follow video games a lot wouldn't already know to a degree. Um, interesting enough, each episode they include like some sort of video game competition that happened in the past, like who won the Nintendo championship or the so- Sega championship or whatever, like just so they can tie in esports each episode. So, uh, that's interesting, but you know, it, the different tidbits about the history of, uh, video games and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's fine. So there's only like six episodes, so it's an easy watch to get through, but, uh, again, not like a deep dive into the hit- real history of video games or anything. It's like, bits and pieces here and there so uh yeah that that was something <laughs> uh dylan you check out the documentary a secret love which i saw uh got a lot of buzz early, earlier in the year yeah this is quite good um it's although my one criticism is it's kind of short like i feel like they could have fit in, i think it's only like uh 90 minutes if i check real quickly 83 minutes there you go yeah so uh so it's about these two older ladies who, or the Terry Donna Donahue and Pat Henshell, Henshell, right? Uh, who, who? I mean, they're, they're they're old ladies, right? So that's the setup. They're old ladies. They the the, the show starts. You're like, what's this about? And they were until a couple of years prior to the filming of this documentary, still secretly hiding the fact that they were in a relationship with one another, which is super interesting. Of course, you straight away go, how do you keep that a secret when you're that old? How do you keep that a secret from loved ones? Then also, of course, there's like under the base level there, of course. I mean, mean, the way I start thinking about it straight away, you're like, well, history wronged these people. Like they've had to they were scarred so much from growing up in a a period like the the fifties or whatever, where it was drilled into them to to hide it. You know, or I should be, you know, get the shit beat out of you on the street. You know, it was so much more hide it than it is uh, now. If you're gay, that they had it drilled into them so much that they were afraid to even tell their family till they were close to to death i mean to put it bluntly like th- how old they are by the time they they bother telling their families is utterly ridiculous and yeah i think it's a huge discredit to them that they had to, to live through that period and i uh, keep it a secret for so long but the the documentary just covers what they're going through in their life now which is the fact that i think it's terry uh, has got like bad parkinson's and she's struggling with that and of course the part even has some health issues because they're you know, they're getting old and um, it intercuts with them dealing with that, uh, with stories about their, their past and what they did growing up, uh, how they they kept it a secret for so long, what they how they met, all that sort of stuff. Like it's a it's a feel good love story at the same time as it's not to a degree, if you know what I mean. Like it, it is a feel good love story because mm. they they are together at the end of the day, but there's still always that that part of like wish that they 
could have lived a more open and freeing life together, you know, because the, the way they hid it from their family was they, they literally just got away with, and everyone accepted it to a certain degree where they, it was just, oh, she's, they lived together for so long when they was young because they had no money and then neither of them found husbands, so they just kept living together. And that worked, apparently. Yeah. Like, that was the... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the time, who would know any different? Yeah, and they they they, they got away with it, so... Um, yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> they got away with it. <laughs> they got away with it. I mean, it's, it's kind of weird, because I feel like, like if someone said that to me, like, you can't imagine... I can't imagine any of my family members being like, look, I've lived with this person forever. Like, what? Really? Till you're like 70? <laughs> like, <laughs> you never thought about moving out? Like, you, I don't know. I feel like there's so many questions to be asked. Um, and I guess the my one criticism for it is that, yeah, one out 20, I would have loved just some more incidental, like, stories. Just random stories about their past or, like, even just, like, there's a scene where they go over to, uh, they uh, they have another gay couple who I, I you kind of get the gist that they were friends from back in the heyday and you know they kept their secret and they kept we, each other's relationships partners all secret and they had this sort of um secret I guess underground club to a degree where they could all come over to one another's house and openly be with their partner in front of each other in, in these sort of environments but then they went back to hiding and of course during the the day-to-day and i, I kind of wished there was just more random stories a few more of those thrown in from that period of them just discussing um and i, I don't even mean like dark stuff i don't I, I don't mean like oh yeah this time like you know like we got caught doing this it's something like that i just mean like just random stories would have been nice because at one hour twenty it kind of goes real fast and then you're like okay the credits rolling that was that was fast it was good it was so good I wish there was more and it was over. Uh, so I checked out the first few episodes of the new Netflix doc uh, animated series Hoops. Uh, it follows like a disgruntled high school basketball coach. Uh, it's oh it's mediocre. It, it it does it's just all like in your face vulgar jokes uh no anything else there's no heart or character development at the moment or anything like that it's just very it's like rick and morty but none of the smart stuff you know <laughs> uh which is disappointing because i feel like netflix has had a good run with the animated series um but yeah, this is this is a bit of a letdown. No, no. Can't win them all. I mean, can't win them all. Disappointing because obviously, like Jake Johnson and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, maybe it gets better. I might give it another crack. But uh, nah. three episodes in, I'm like, nah. mm. move on. Even I have my <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> Even I have my standards. Uh, Dylan, you checked out the series Feel Good. What's Feel Good? Uh, is it good? I really like this. So I never heard of this, and then I randomly started watching it because I don't know. It, it was in my suggested Netflix feed. I, I don't know if it was because I just watched uh, a documentary about a, a old gay couple, but then they're like, "Yeah, here's a series about a, a, a gay couple." Um, so the <laughs> series, <laughs> the series stars um, May Martin, who, and it, it's created by her as well. Uh, I have no idea who she is, right? 
until I watched this show. Never seen it before, but uh, I gather quickly that she's a stand-up and this is her series. In in a similar sort of way to uh, like Josh Thomas writing a series where he's obviously just kind of playing himself, I feel like this is like it's her writing self to the point that her character is a stand-up comedian in the show. So it's like got that same sort of comedian writes character that's obviously them but also not them kind of uh, vibe about it. Uh, and the thing about this show that's kind of cool is the the, the 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 series starts and you think it's going to be a, a kind of slow burn love story that the start she's doing May's doing the stand up set and then there's other character who's uh, played by Charlotte Ritchie called George is uh, down there in the audience watching and um, afterwards they begin talking and obviously you can tell they're they're, they're into one another Uh May is very openly gay. Uh, it is quite obvious that George is not or is not sure what they are <laughs> into a bit because their friend with them is just making much m- of, uh, you need to get a dick joke and all this sort of stuff. But then she leaves and George goes and finds May. And then that's like the first 10 minutes and then the show kind of skips ahead like three months. It kind of goes through a montage of them uh, going on all these happy dates and laying in bed, watching TV, all this sort of stuff and then it skips ahead to where they've moved in with one another, which I like because obviously there's so many shows that are on the the whole train of the relationship building and blah, 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 especially movies, you know. You've seen the same spiel. So this 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 skips ahead three months and goes, okay, they're at that stage where they're kind of past the, uh, uh, you know, you're floating on wings, everything's great, we love each other, nothing go wrong kind of stage. And then the show, th- it's now like three, three, four months in, okay, now they start running into issues, they've moved in one another, and they have to deal with it. The first one that comes about is uh, they're on a video call and with May's parents, who's played by Lisa Kudrow and I can't remember who her father's played by, but most importantly, Lisa Kudrow's in the show and she's fucking fantastic. Like everything she's in, she's great. Um, and she blurts out something about May finding a, uh, like a AA meeting. And uh, she has not mentioned that to George, that she is a ex-drug addict. Uh, Narcotics Anonymous is what she asked about. So then straight away, that's a problem. Oh, you're a narc- Narcotics Anonymous. What were you doing? Oh, I was a drug dealer. I got kicked out of my home. I was addicted to drugs. Whoa, that's a that's a big problem. And then a lot of issues the two begin running into on the opposite end. George is not openly uh, gay or slash bi. Uh, all her previous partners you discover have been men. Uh, all of her friends believe that she is straight, and George is not telling her friends that she is dating May even though they are living together and she's trying to keep it as much as a secret as possible, which understandably may has uh, issues with it. So it's only six episodes um, and they're only 30 minutes each. So it goes, it went by super fucking fast, like six episodes of 30 minutes when you're used to watching, you know, 40 something minute episodes. Uh, most Netflix series are, you know, 10 episodes or whatever. This six episodes flew by. I, I binge watched this like a, a true animal. Um, and I, I really want more. Like, it, it, it ended on a good cliffhanger. I want to see where their relationship uh, and all the characters, side characters were introduced 
in the series. There's one character played. I don't know if I can find the person's name plays him here. Uh, I don't know. But there's a, there's a character who's in the Narcotics Anonymous. This this older lady who befriends May, and she's a she's an absolute right. Love her. And Lucy Kudrow in the show is just she's something else as well. So I would suggest people watch this. I think this is uh, so far one of my sort of I'd guess hidden hidden gems that I've kind of stumbled across like if you were to ask me top 10 tv shows of the year this would probably slot somewhere in that list so far i enjoyed it that much and i have not seen or heard about this show until it randomly popped up on my feed before have you heard of this at all (laughs) no i don't um maybe it popped up but i there might have been a little bit of buzz around it but yeah i didn't hear much about it no so yeah stumbled upon it and i pretty sure back in march so yeah yeah. Uh, and then you watch the Netflix original film, The Half of It. What did you think of that one? It was okay. I feel, what, what, was this drummed up? Did this review a lot better than I think it actually is? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I remember a lot of people writing that it was great. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember I talked about it on a previous episode. I liked it, but I did not like it to the degree some people did. It's got a 74% on Metacritic but a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I would I would struggle to give it a 7. I'd probably be around like a 6 or a 6.5, honestly. Good performances. Um, the the setup is kind of cool. If you, if you don't know, the setup is... I, I can't bother the IMG being at the final character's names, but the, the main character is uh, this girl who kind of does all the homework for people at a school and gets paid Ellie for Chu. it. Sorry, what's her name? Ellie Chu. Is that the character name or the actor name? <laughs> the character name, the actress is played by... Uh, the actress is Leah Lewis. Okay. Um, yeah, so she, she gets paid for all this stuff. And then this boy, you have the, the dude's name? the Paul. Paul. Um, yeah, he wants to uh, write a love letter to... Asta. Asta. And so she uh, he pays for this one love letter or what was supposed to be one love letter and it kind of just down spirals from there from them writing more more and it becomes very obvious that what was her name again the ellie ellie the main character yes Yes. it becomes very obvious straight away that obviously ellie is into asta and that's how she's writing these love letters so well because she's writing them actually just and having fun with it because she's writing the love letters even though she's writing them uh for for paul's character but i just don't feel like it the payoff like not that the ending was bad i just feel like and it also just introduces some weird elements thrown in with paul suddenly like oh like i'm super christian and he has a, like a whole weird moment someone in it i don't know like i, I kind of just feel like it didn't it didn't come together as well towards the end i i, I don't mind the setup as far as like a rom-com goes like it's it's a cool yeah. setup for a, a rom-com story like a like like a like a buy awakening potentially <laughs> i guess is like what you want to <laughs> potentially call it for like in some regards uh but nah it was okay i mean i didn't i didn't hate it i just i remember seeing everyone saying it was great and then obviously you watch it and you're like yeah it was okay it was no love simon that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> still the gold standard. yeah for me <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's everything that's been our watch history. Let's move into some news. 
DC Fandom happened over the last weekend. A lot of information popped out of that. Um, we'll start off with the big one. They showed a trailer for the Batman. Batman. Yeah. Uh, we've got our first look at, obviously, Bat- Brock Pattinson's Batman in the suit. His look as Bruce Wayne. We had our first look at Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Uh, blink and you miss it. What- blink and you'll miss it, but also he's, like, hidden behind a pound of yeah. prosthetics. So even if you did see him, you might not have recognized Sorry. him. Uh, also got a bit of a look at Paul Dano's Riddler. Uh, and Zoe Kravitz, Catwoman. Uh, obviously, very early in production that was shut down due to uh, COVID. They're going to be back shooting sometime in September. Uh, but Dylan, what are you? How are you feeling about the Batman at the moment? Uh, yeah, good. I mean, obviously, we talked about it when it was announced, and uh, you can gather from the start of this, I was already on board with Rob Pattinson playing Batman. I, I think that's been covered. Matt Reeves, I, I think he's. Good director, so I was already kind of on board with this. So I, I definitely didn't come in looking to be swayed, but uh, from what we've seen, looks awesome. A couple of things that stand out, obviously, is uh, the bat symbol, more the the more thinner modern day sleek design. I guess uh, I like that you um, one ish design of the bat symbol, or whatever. Mm. In a lot of ways, I feel like the story may be inspired by by zero year, zero year. Sorry, yeah, not year one, zero year, um, which would be cool. Uh, I love what they're kind of setting up with the uh, Riddler in this. And if they are doing that zero-year type Riddler stuff, that's going to be really cool to see. Uh, The one moment we see of Batman beating absolute crap out of someone was awesome. Pump, pump, (laughs) pump. Beat him to a bloody pulp. Great sound effects. Great, yeah. Uh, The Batmobile was awesome. Uh, That one moment where we see the penguin like in the car running away, he's like, this guy's crazy. Awesome. Oh, there was nothing I didn't... It was great. I mean, this this made me go from, like, I'm going to watch it anyway to kind of wish it was out sooner. Like, it, it really has... I hope... I guess the problem is we went from having the last couple of appearances of Batman be tied into such, like, bigger than Batman stories to a degree. Obviously, they were tied into, like, Superman and the bigger DC universe, Justice League movie, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So having this one come back down to kind of feeling like Nolan versus Batman takes on some just straight up criminal scum. Feels great. Yeah. 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 I really enjoyed the trailer, obviously. Uh, it set the tone very well uh, with the Nirvana song at the start. Um, again, obviously they've barely, they've only got like 25% of the movie shot. So I'm sure there's even more cool stuff that we'll get in the final film, but as a, initial teaser and a taste of what we can expect from the Batman. Uh, it looks amazing. So Shout out to that one time where everyone on the internet was losing their mind over that one dude who was obviously a stuntman riding the Batman <laughs> bike at a fucking cemetery or whatever. Everyone was going off saying the suit yeah. looked like shit. Fuck you. I'm glad I was down on this podcast saying you all fucking suck. Shut the hell up. Yeah, that suit looks great. So... Uh, yeah, don't know what you're complaining about. Uh, even Zoe Kravitz looks good, like with the like the basic burglar mask, but obviously the ears kind of have formed naturally. Yeah, naturally. Naturally, so yeah, very cool. Uh, we've got a little bit more information about Zack Snyder's uh, Snyder Cut of Justice League, and we've got a trailer. Hashtag. Uh, 
Hashtag hallelujah. Um, obviously, the big co- confirmation is it's going to be four hours long. Um, <laughs> uh, it had been rumored for a while that it was going to be like a, a very long like film or project, but it, it is going to be four one-hour episodes. Um, how, how, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I don't remember how much we talked about previously, but just to quickly get out of the way, I'm somewhat excited for this, <laughs> but closetedly so. Like, I'm I'm not hashtag Free Snyder on Twitter or anything, but after they announced it, I'm like, I hated the Twitter campaign, but I, I'm kind of excited it's happening nonetheless. Um, the trailer was shit, bad trailer, but I think it's also because he hasn't been back in that booth editing for too long or doing those slight reshoots or whatever he said he was doing. Like there was some level of reshoots he was doing, I think, on people on green screens or whatever to yeah. CGI people in the places kind of thing. Um I think ultimately at the end of the day, this is what I'll say forever, forever, even if this is bad, that Zack Snyder deserves this film, I think. I des- he deserves to have it the way get it out the way he intended like he set up the dc universe he was putting all these things into play and then horrible horrific circumstances forced him to have to leave the production of justice league so the fact that he gets returned to this and finally put it out no matter if it's bad or terrible i think that is just good and i hope that helps make him and the fans feel better uh, but yeah, the trailer was shit. Four hours, I don't care. I feel like if you're going to give him the, Z- the Snyder Cut, you don't then suddenly start being like, well, it can only be two hours long because that defeats the entire purpose. Uh, the one hour thing, weird. I wish they'd actually just put it out as four hours and just press go, you know? Like, yeah, that's weird. That Why is weird. break it up? If you need to take a break, you can just hit pause on HBO Max. Yeah. It's not like it's... Not like it's- if if I could understand if they were like screening it on HBO, yeah, like as like a four night or like four week special miniseries or something, but it's going straight to a streaming service. Just make it. One I mean, thing. I guess we'll have to hold and wait and see. But maybe if it's edited correctly, it'll just become an event viewing type thing. Like people will mm. be talking about it after the first part. Maybe I really don't know. Like the fact, the fact that there's so much going to change whether or not it turns out good or not. But I definitely feel like this trailer doesn't do justice to probably how different the movie is going to be. Because most of the footage in this trailer is stuff we have seen in the actual movie already. And maybe that's done on purpose. Maybe there's, you know, he's still holding back some of the the, the hot stuff that people want to see. But, yeah, I mean, I'm going to watch it. Just, it. Like, there's little things, the fact that... Yeah. The last shot is them all standing on the wall, which in the proper movies, them like overlooking the, the, the rubble of where they just fought, fucking whatever his name was. Um, don't remember now. Can't remember. Um, yeah, I will say that it doesn't really matter. Darkseid kind of looks like shit. But was it Darkseid? To be confirmation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in this now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but the CGI obviously will presumably get better as. We get closer to the rally state, so I'm not going to hold yeah. too much of it. Yeah, I'm keen as well, but you know, uh, 
we'll wait and see. It's a difficult one. Uh, I do want to bring up a point that I saw on uh, Instagram by uh, the uh, profile Static Reviews. Uh, the original Justice League failed because of Zack Snyder's directing. Instead of making a two to two and a half hour movie, Snyder had over four hours of footage making it impossible to edit into a theatrical release. Uh, do you think that's a fair statement? No, because I guess you're calling every other movie they've had to cut down of his a failure. Like, like so nearly every movie he's done has had a director's cut that is better. Four hours long? Not always four hours long, but like, I think majority of his movies have director's cuts that are, for most, especially fans, considered better. Like, I even think his remake of Dawn of the Dead even has a director's cut, like, with another, like, 10, 15 minutes on it or something. But obviously, Watchmen has a massive cut. Batman v Superman has a massive cut. I think the only one I... Actually, I think the only one I don't think has one is Legends of Ghoul is the only one I think. Sucker Punch. Uh, Sucker Punch has one does yeah is it better though well it it turns it from a pg movie into what it should have been originally okay right and that was so i mean this is separate kind of snyder like kind of conversation that you can go on forever but in general i feel like snyder is constantly cucked by cinemas (laughs) (laughs) uh like and sucker punch i feel like is a good example sucker punch i love the idea of that movie i hated it watching it i feel i feel like it's actually a, a really bad, bad movie it's very it just it, like after the first action scene it just runs out of all steam uh what that movie needed to be was go super hard into its fucked up themes of those girls getting uh like, sh- like fucked with yeah I'm, like yeah. go more into that like lean more into it to make it darker like go, fucking go for it if you're gonna go for it and i feel like he would have but he got told he couldn't you know so then you end up with sucker punch um i'm someone who stands by the batman v superman ultimate cut like i think the original cuts like a six ultimate cuts an eight i think that movie is substantially better um watchman director's cut neither here nor there like it's just it's a if you, if you already like that movie you're gonna like the that's the thing like with most director's cuts though i feel like Apart from a, f- a few key ones like Blade Runner and stuff, where they, you know, like I really don't like original Blade Runner. I think it's shit. But the final cut is the is the bees bees Um But like, if you if you don't like Watchmen, you're not going to watch suddenly the extended version and like it more. You know what I mean? Like, if you already yeah. like the movie, you're going to watch the extended one and probably just like it more by by stance. So, but again, is that? Zack Snyder not being able to do his job of making a two and a half hour movie. No, because I mean, it's his movie. Like, it's that's a, it's a weird criticism to have because then it's like, well, <laughs> why? It's it's then saying I mean, he should have been shooting less in case. Project. He should have been shooting less in case the director had to come in and finish his project for him. That's not really a, a real criticism. No, but if like the studio sets up at the start of the project, hey, we, we want it to be two and, a, two and a half hours, and he doesn't no, but meet the criteria. There's no way. There's no fucking way that he is allowed to shoot four hours of content just because he chooses to. Like, that's signed off on. That's true. Right? So, producers, production people, whatever, budgeting, everything costs money. And he doesn't just go, he doesn't just suddenly shoot double. That's not how, he's not a guerrilla film, indie filmmaker going out and just with a a handy cam shooting shit. So, if if he shot four hours, he was allowed to shoot four hours. 
So it's not his fault. Okay. Well, it's not. Yeah. Like, it's they wouldn't, they wouldn't let him. Talk. No big studio <laughs> out there would let any director shoot that much. You, you just can't do it. Like, yeah. how, how do you how do you slip two hours of extra film under <laughs> under studio's nose? <laughs> like, all the money. Like, that's two hours of money. There's a lot of fucking, that's weeks, weeks, months of extra shooting for a movie. That's yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, whoops. <laughs> you know? Well, then I guess the question going from there is why did they decide to cut it down so much? Uh, I don't know. Completely it, change it in by cutting away half the movie. I mean, that's my major problem with what DC did with the whole Snyder DC thing, which is um, he started with Man of Steel. And if they didn't like it, they should have changed course straight away. But instead, they stuck with it. They got him to do Batman v Superman. And they tried to have him cut that down to be more in line with what the fuck was happening in Marvel. But then they automatically fucked themselves. Because, like, if you're going to get someone like Snyder come in and you want him to do his thing, let him do his thing, or just don't have him. Just get someone else, you know? Like, don't yeah. why pay someone who's obviously believe, not going to- Believe it or not, there's not a shortage of directors out there. Yeah, like, why pay someone like Snyder to come in and then force him to paint between these weird lines you're setting up? Like, you can hire someone else who would kind of happily do that and probably be better at painting in, in between the lines. You know, and I'm not even trying to argue which is better for the DC universe in the past tense. I have no idea which is better, Snyder or non-Snyder. I have no idea, but the the fact is, I don't know why. Like a lot of people like to, to blame the failure on Snyder. I don't think it's his fault. Like he 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 was doing his job, and you can tell he's passionate about it. Even if you don't like his movies, you can tell he's passionate about it. Yeah. Uh, so he also revealed the full squad for James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Um, I won't go into the full list, but you can check out the roll call over on uh, Warner Brothers or DC YouTube. Uh, what did you feel about the footage and behind-the-scenes stuff they showed for Suicide Squad? Uh, yes, I'm really keen for this because James Gunn's doing it, obviously. I feel like that's why most people would be keen for this. Uh, it's a list of like 20 characters, and I feel like half of them are going to die in the first 15 to half an hour of the, the movie easily. I think that's kind of obvious and that's good. I yes. hope we find out that this is getting like an American R or Australian MAE type thing. I would love that. I have, I've no, I don't see why they couldn't kind of do that. Fuck it. Um, because then James Gunn gets to do a combination of Guardians of the Galaxy, but including more of blood and guts and violence from his horror shooting experience prior to Guardians. Because mm. that's... That's what he done before all those movies. He did fucking horror movies. I mean, have you ever watched? Um, was that what? The, what was it called? Super Slither? No, or Super. No. So, okay, it's so on the list. That movie is something special. <laughs> like it is <laughs> comedic, but also kind of darkly comedic, and by it's also just super violent. Uh, it's like it's like Kickass, but serious and weird. Yeah. And when it goes violent, it goes. Proper violent. So, I feel like if you've ever watched that movie, what, who's the star of that? The dude from Office. What's his name? Dwight. What was Dwight's? Oh, um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I thought like most people probably do. The, you know, anyway, Dwight from The Office is the star of that movie, and uh, co-stars are uh, Ellie. Uh, what the fuck? Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. Yeah, and the co-stars are Ellie. And starring Ellen Page. Ellen Page. There you go. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So, if you want to, I would say if you want an idea of the kind of. I feel like it's that somewhere between that movie and Guardians is where you mash up and meet 
James Gunn's the Suicide Squad is what I'm hoping. Like it can't be as serious and fucked up as that movie. It has to be a bit more lighthearted and fun, but hopefully it's a bit more violent at the same time. Yeah, I mean, everything they talked about, it looks interesting. Uh, obviously, a lot of characters that definitely won't survive. Uh, good marketing move for every single one of them to have some sort of logo. Uh, so you can have all sorts of merch and stuff. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think interesting cast. Uh, interesting variety of uh, Suicide Squad members. Much bigger squad than the first one. Interesting that it's only, what, Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, and Rick Flagg and Amanda Waller coming back. Uh, yeah, that we know of, unless there's like cameos. Or yeah, something. that's true. Could be cameos and stuff from the... The first one, but yeah, checking that one out. I'm looking forward. Maybe we maybe do some sort of bet before the movie comes out. What? Who dies? Which character dies first? That's a good. That's, and then, that's and good predictions. As to say, that's how a, many that's a good survive. article in case anyone off a website wants to steal that. <laughs> okay, we need to cut that out of the episodes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, we got a bit of a taste of uh, Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam. Uh, the project has been. We got a little bit of a tease. It's, it's mostly concept art and that kind of thing, uh, an animatic uh, with Dwayne Johnson talking at the top of it. Uh, he's been attached to the role for apparently over a decade, um, and it seems like he's finally going to happen. Um, it sounds like he's going to be working or working against the Justice Society of America. Uh, confirmed that Dr. Fate, Hawkman, Cyclone, and Adam Smasher are going to be in the film. With Adam, Adam Smasher played by Noah Centino, the the guy whose name I always stuff up, even though I see him in a bunch of Netflix stuff. Uh, how are you feeling about Black Adam? Is it actually going to come out? Uh, I, it's, it's reached the stage of, it's been around for too long, I'm just sick of it. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I could be into it, I, the animatic did nothing for me because I feel like also The Rock's narration was just The Rock or Dwayne Johnson just doing narration. It didn't, it didn't, he was doing it in character or like he was saying it from a first person from perspective, a perspective but-, but it didn't really, it sounded like a very like quick line reading. Like there wasn't, it didn't, it didn't sound. You know what it reminded me of? What? That Fast and Furious video game. Yeah, it sounded like that. It's it did. It did sound like he got in the booth for two seconds, and no one had a chance to go. Um, no one was directing him. Just yeah, read the like lines. give it a little bit more <laughs> or something. So yeah, I don't know. I'll be excited when yeah. I have more than a fucking animatic with bad VA. Yep. Uh, so they had a flash panel at the fandom, but all the interest, the most interesting news about the Flash movie was announced beforehand with Ben Affleck confirming he's coming back to play Batman in The Flash. So how long until we rename this movie Flash and the Batman? Because you've already got Michael Keaton confirmed. I reckon he's only doing like one quick scene. Okay. That I, I, I highly doubt he's in the movie for that much. I, and also I think it would be silly to have him in the movie for too much. I feel like it would overshadow it. And that's why I think mm. it's a kind of smart move to get out ahead of it and just say, hey, he's going to be in it. And then when everyone watches it, and even if they go and expecting him to be in it for more, and he's only in it for 
a little bit, then the the internet talk isn't suddenly going to be like, oh, there was a Ben Affleck cameo. Like it's already it's worn off. You know, like the the half mm. the buff already done. I'm more interested to find out when they're going to get all the Batman actors back. Val Kilmer, <laughs> George Clooney. I mean, Adam maybe West. they will. I don't know if they can. They do Adam West. Why not? Because he died in 2017. <laughs> so, I guess CGI. Yeah. De aging technology. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I like his, I feel do. like his death was long enough that they could do a cameo. <laughs> it would be okay. Cameo, maybe. Uh, I know, but then it becomes too much like the Crisis on Infinite Earths TV series. Exactly. I mean, they're doing Flashpoint, right? They are doing Flashpoint. Exactly. So, uh, just add a whole bunch of cameos. Even if they the whole bunch of cameos take place over a five-minute scene. Because I, I guess if you want to like throw out the, the secretly Ben Affleck's in it more, then you go, well, Ben Affleck plays his version of Batman in it. But then also he's going to play alternate, uh, alternate father. What the fuck is Bruce's dad's name? I keep forgetting his. Thomas. Thomas Wayne. Then they're going to throw out he's playing Thomas Wayne as well or something. Which could be a thing, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Again, that's another project that really needs to get made. It's been in the works for so long. Uh just film it already no uh it was meant to be done how long ago did justice league come out two years i guess that's not too long it feels like it's been in the works for longer i might so i feel like it was uh 2017 no so three years so yeah three years ago so yeah it's been through that many directors but i feel like uh this one's going to stick, and obviously he's got good ideas on what direction to go, so yeah. Uh, and then, I guess the only other interesting piece of news, we've got a confirmed title for the Shazam sequel. Uh, it's going to be called Shazam Fury of the Gods, and it may or may not star Sinbad. Welcome. That's kind of it. No. <laughs> do, you, do you know why he was there? In, in that panel? Nah. So apparently, a lot of people believe he starred in a film called Shazam in the 90s that he never starred in. What? Like, it's one of those... Everyone believes he starred in this movie, Genie, like, almost like the Kazam movie, but it's Shazam starring Sinbad. Uh, people have, like, like, really accurate memories of watching this movie. Flash Gordon? No. Of this movie called Shazam. It's the... The Kendrick... No, some, the Mandela Effect. I think. What? It's like some people believe that... Yeah. The world's been refreshed and like certain things have been changed. And this is one of those things that have been changed. I have one of those, actually. For years yeah. when I was a kid, I believed I'd seen a movie with Batman and Superman in it. No. Never. And then when I got older, I, I, I tried to track down that movie. It doesn't exist. 
Like there's no there was no movie with Batman and Superman in it. Crazy. Until now. Well, until now, yeah, but I'm saying like I I, I believed I watched it when I was like ten. I I mean, t- technically, if you were to put me in a lie detector test, I'd, I'd still probably have to say I I believe I watched it because I'd still believe I've watched it. <laughs> like I can picture it still. So yeah. There you go. Aliens. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually in the Matrix. Yeah. Good morning, America. Uh, so apparently Netflix is adding a new feature to Netflix called Netflix Shuffle Play. Uh, instead of having that difficult decision of what you're choosing, what you're going to watch, you can let Netflix decide. Uh, they'll just randomly pick something based on what you've been watching. Uh, is that something you'd 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 actually think is useful? No, they seem to be adding things a lot lately. Yeah, that. For the sake of adding them, it feels like. No. This is... I don't know who uses this. I can't picture using this. I don't know why I would use this. I don't like it. Take it away. I mean, the I mean, the only thing I can think of is, is like, you want to put something on in the background. Never. Put music on. Never. Okay. But you just said you watched the... Whatever it was, Insidious. Some, the Insidious. Yeah, but like I just scrolled along my my list and was like, clicked on the first thing that I was like, "Hey, you love I guarantee if I clicked shuffle, I would have gone, "Nah, not this." Shuffle again. Nah, not this. Shuffle again. Nah, not this. Shuffle again. At which point, I should probably just scroll and find something. Okay. You yeah. know, like I do it when I put placement. You know, I press shuffle on Spotify. I'm like, nah, shuffle. Nah, shuffle. Did it when I was a kid. Have my little iPod Nano. Shuffle. Nah, not that song. Shuffle. Nah, not that song. You know, like, what's the point of shuffle? Every time, just shuffle until you find the right song you want. Just pick the fucking song. Pick the movie. Yeah. No one actually shuffles for shuffle reasons. Except for when they're at parties. And then they just want background noise. Then they're like, shuffle, go. Piss off. Christmas jeans. Put them on at Christmas time. Shuffle, go. Piss off. Daytime's useful. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't see many people getting any use out of this, but you know, it it sounds like it's going to be a thing. Uh, so Netflix has got itself in hot water this week after they around this movie called Cuties. Yes. Yeah, have you been following this story? Yes, I. Well, I, I know the gist. Yeah. Just uh, so initially, it's a it is a French film directed by um, Maimuna Ducori. I'm not sure. It's very French. Uh, but it premiered at Sundance earlier this year. Uh, it won the Best Directing Award for a Dramatic Film. Uh, it was also nominated for the Grand Jury Prize. Uh, and then it got picked up for Netflix to be shown later this year. got delayed because of uh, COVID. It's got a trailer uh, scheduled for release Netflix September 9th. Uh, then Netflix... Uh, Screwed the pooch, really, because they've made... The film is kind of about young girls kind of discovering... Here, I'll read the premise. 11-year-old immigrant girl Amy, originally hailing from Senegal, lives with her mother Miriam in one of Paris's poorest neighborhoods in an apartment along with her two brothers, awaiting for her father to rejoin the family from Senegal. 
Things turn swiftly as Amy is fascinated by her disobedient neighbors, Angelica's twerking clique called Cuties, an adult-starred dance troupe, which has contrasting fortunes and characteristics to Miriam's traditional customs, values, and traditions. So obviously, they explore, obviously, some of these adult things that young girls do and kind of the culture around that. Uh, apparently, very good, very meaningful. Unfortunately, the marketing for the film is more has focused on the twerking and the sexualized elements and it's caused a bit of a backlash against Yes, all I saw was the poster and the backlash of the poster, which I don't recall, but was them twerking or something on the poster? Just in leotards or something? Bending over or something, which, yeah, it's a bit weird to have a poster. Well, I think it's the fact that, like, if the movie was called, like, Little dancers or something, and it like you had a bunch of little girls in leotards. You'd be like, "Oh, it's just a bunch of girls dancers or something." But the fact that like it has them kind of bent over, and then the fact the movie's called Cuties, kind of makes it sound like they're trying to. Uh, I don't say sexualize, but kind of somewhere towards there. I guess was the problem. Yeah, I understood why people had issues because between the name and the posters, you just like the marketing. Because I didn't know about the movie until all this, obviously. But then when you look it up, you're like, nothing I'm reading about this movie adds up to what I'm seeing on these posters at all. Yes. Yeah. Terrible marketing. Uh, do Yeah. Do you think they'll cave to the calls to be, for the film to be pulled from Netflix? No, I don't think they need to pull it. I just think they need to pull the heads in, you know? Bam. <laughs> Got them. Yeah, it's an odd one. Um how so many people saw that poster and were like, yeah, that seems like something we can put out and not get any bad press. Uh, but yeah, I I can't imagine them pulling it from the, from the schedule or whatever, however you want to describe it. Uh, it, it as far as I can tell, the, it's a good film. I think even uh, Tessa Thompson was someone who was uh, trying to defend the film on like social media and that kind of thing. She was getting a bit of flack, but... Uh, for people who are like super protective about, from I can understand, but who haven't seen the film, but, but uh, have an opinion of what the film is. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll wait and see as to how this plans out and what it's like. Uh, Stan had some very good news this past week. Uh, they've confirmed that they've locked in a contract with uh, NBC Universal. Uh, to get exclusively get all their content. Uh, for the next few years, uh, they'll see them getting a lot of the Peacock originals, as well as they deal with Sky Studios, NBC Universal's International Studios, DreamWorks Animation TV, uh, and a lot of the iconic series from NBC Universal, like your Parks and Recreation, 30 Rock, uh, Will and Grace, The Office, stuff like that will become ex- being exclusive to Stan in the future. Uh, a lot of, obviously, big productions coming from those uh, sources, uh, the new Battlestar Galactica, the new Tina Fey series, uh, there's, uh, yeah, lot, lots, the new Alden Einreich <laughs> uh, series, Brave New Worlds, coming soon. Uh, they just, uh, this week, are releasing the new series, I Hate Julie, starring Billy Piper. Uh, this is a big coup for Stan, especially seeing as they lost out on the HBO content that they were bidding for early in the year. Uh, and probably secures, honestly, secures Stan's 
place in the market yes. going forward. I, I think that's the important thing because I guess a lot of average people wouldn't wouldn't and maybe hadn't even heard of Peacock. I know we talked about it briefly last week. I can't even remember what brought it up, but I thought it was funny that... I remember, I don't remember what show it was, but I remember being like, when the fuck is Peacock coming? And then this yeah. happened, so there you go. Um, but yeah, so the, the Peacock stuff is good but we don't know how good because that it's it's kind of brand new so like if they're old now what's the old not uh, right say a uh, brand new world i think that's it um yeah if that's good great if billy piper show is great that's good keep keep hitting them out of the park but i do think obviously the most important thing of this news is just the live the that safe library of content that will keep people subscribed to stand before they check out the new stuff which is the office and all that stuff you said before is the kind of keeps them afloat because they kind of need that life raft of series to keep people subscribed as they they can put more money into original series and whatever else. Cool. Uh, and then on the back of that, Stan has been announced a growth strategy. To uh, they're going to be expected to reach thirty new productions over a year over the next five years for original content. Uh, thanks to nine productions. Uh, they also announced a bunch of new projects in the works, including Eden, a f- eight-hour part, hour-long original drama series from Australia's writing, rising creative star Vanessa Gazy, the creators and the creators of Mrs. Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries and Skins, which is currently in production. A series called Bump, which is a ten-part, half-hour original drama series that starts Claudia Carvin. Uh, Dom and Adrian, twenty twenty original comedy special from the creators of Bondi Hipsters. Uh, after the night, a four-part true crime documentary series for exploring the harrowing legacy of one of Australia's deadliest serial killers, Ed- Eric Edgar Cook, and uh, also Christian Van Vuren is set to direct a Stan original film written by Elliot Vella, Gretel Ella, and Timothy Walker. So lots of lots of good news for Stan going forward. A lot of uh, big projects, a lot of Australian content, which is something you'll differentiate it from a lot of the other streaming services uh, available in the market. So Yeah, I'm obviously the stuff we talked about earlier in the year where it seemed like a lot of money was being pulled out of, uh, even before COVID, it sounded like a lot of money was being pulled out of uh, free-to-air original programming, but now it seems like, at least on Stan's front, they're getting a lot more chucked back into them. Uh, even nine is apparently like basically going fuck. It sounds like nine who owns Stan is more or less going. We're just putting as far as free to air is concerned. We're just putting our money into uh, reality TV shows because they're cheap to make, and then they're going to put more money into Stan uh, for original projects instead of funding original scripted stuff for free to air. They're just going to stick to doing like non scripted reality type. Uh, shit is what is what it kind of sounds like which is good because i think stan as i said like they they need that that lifeboat of like office and stuff but if they want to stand out from all the million other streaming services i do think that the one way to stand out is just to dive into the fact that they are australia's number one streaming service and like get a bunch of australian original programs on there and push that which is what they need to do and that's good uh, some news out of the Sony Marvel Universe. Uh, Olivia Wilde has signed on 
to do a Spider-Woman movie uh, set in the Spider-Man spin-off universe. Uh, the movie will be penned by Booksmart collaborator Katie Spielberman with Amy Pascal producing. Uh, a interesting choice. Smart choice, especially after Booksmart was so well-received. Um, interesting that everyone seems to believe it's not going to be... Uh, Gwen Stacy or Spider-Gwen, it's going to be Jessica Drew, the version of the, the Spider-Woman who uh, featured in the Brian Michael Bendis' new Avengers run. Um, I mean, it's probably not as well known or as, as popular as Spider-Gwen is, so I guess that would be an interesting choice. But how do you feel about Oliver Wilde taking a step up to big production? What is the Spider-Man spin-off universe? <laughs> <laughs> the same universe that Venom's in but, and the upcoming Morbius. So, like, have they officially said, like, because... Oh, no, nah, I'm not even bothered. Like, <laughs> it gets so confusing. Like, so you're telling me that Spider-Man could show up in this Spider-Woman movie, right? He could. But then that appearance wouldn't be canon to Marvel's universe. Yeah, Correct. Currently. Fuck this shit, man. This is stupid. How <laughs> <laughs> yeah, silly. Um, Olivia Wilde directing call. Yep. Uh, I don't know that character you just said with Jessica, whoever. Never heard of him. Uh, so I can't get excited about it. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to see what she could do. Olivia could do directing a, um, a bigger budget movie. I hope. The one thing I, I hope, though, is that they're not like, oh, you're doing a big budget Marvel movie. Better suddenly chuck in double the amount of action scenes. Like, not to say that she can't direct action, but, like, why hire someone and then force their hand into, you know, again, doing something... Like, there was there was some sort of fast-paced stuff in books, book smart, but, like, if you're going to hire her, let her, like, put, put the character in high school. Maybe. Have it be a... Maybe. High school drama from the spider point. You know what I mean? Like, why... Play into her strengths. Yeah, I mean, is yeah, like I said, good choice. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to ch- see which version of Spider Woman she's gonna be directing. But uh, yeah, interesting counterpoint, obviously, to Spider Man, uh, and where his plot is currently left at. So, see how that ties in. And then the other piece of news is that G C J C Chandor, the director of Triple Frontier and All Is Lost, is set to direct the Craven the Hunter film. Of course, Kramer the Hunter, the uh, Spider-Man villain who's a big game hunter and uh, is, wants to hunt the most dangerous enemy of all, Spider-Man. I know I missed this. Is movie. this something you want? <laughs> this is stupid, right? D- does anyone like this? <laughs> does, is this a joke? Craven. A whole movie about Craven. Yep. Nah, get out of here. No one wants this. Who the fuck wants this? Listen, people don't know what they want until they get it. Who wants a movie about a game hunter? Yeah, it's probably... <laughs> like, let's boil it down. I mean, I mean, you could do it in an interesting way where... I mean, it's not about him, but he's like the villain of the movie. Yeah, but why like, am I watching it? You do, you do, like, the hunt with Craven yeah. as the hunter. You know? Okay. Uh... 
you know? Yeah. Or something like that. Okay. You make him Jason or Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Who who's the who, I'm a, who's the good guy? Random people. Who's are we are we am I, I written for Somebody. the deer? What's the who's the yeah, maybe. Run, dear. I don't know. Run, I'm just spitballing here. Run, dear. I don't know. All I know is every time I've seen, anytime I've seen him in a comic book, he's fucking stupid. And also, it has Spider Man in it. But this isn't going to have Spider Man in it. So now he's just fucking stupid without Spider Man. I don't like him. I know. I think there's potential there. Uh, not much potential. No, no. <laughs> this sounds silly. I don't. I, what are they? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they're just trying to bring that Spider-Man property out as much as possible. But there's so many better Craven the Hunter. Craven yeah. the fucking Hunter. Okay, who? what villain do you want? Electro. They already used him. He could do a way better solo movie, though. Oh, no, I'm thinking you, of the other one. Jamie Foxx, right? Yeah. Who was good, anymore. by the way. That movie's somewhat underrated. I think it's a bit of a mess, but also... There's some good parts in it. Jamie Foxx is quite good. Yeah, no, Electro, eh? Give, give me him. Give me, give me him. Do Noir Spider-Man, the movie. There you go. Yeah. Why are we fucking around with Craven the Hunter when we can do a black and white Spider-Man? It's like Sin City, but Spider-Man. <laughs> I just pitched them a million dollar project. Sin City, but just Spider-Man. Just one million dollars? I don't know if they'd, they'd want to just get $1 million for a project. Billion dollar project. Okay, now you're One stretching. Spider-Man, but it's Sin City. And Craven the Hunter project is dead. Sony hit us Solved up. Solved all your money problems, Sony. Mail at explosionnote.com. Uh, new project coming to the Blum House. Apparently... John Carpenter is getting behind another Blumhouse reboot of one of his horror classics. After Blumhouse knocked it out of the park with their Halloween revival, the beloved horror studio is now tackling a reboot of The Thing, the 1982 sci-fi horror film based on the 1938 John W. Campbell Jr. novella, Who Goes There? Uh, Carpenter confirmed he is involved with The Thing reboot, which is still in very early stages of Blumhouse Productions. Dylan, do we need a thing reboot? Uh, no. So my my big question is obviously, is it actually a reboot? Because obviously, Halloween was a uh, continuation. continuation. It was a it's a sequel to two uh, to the first film, and it forgets everything after all the other sequels. So they could do a sequel to the thing, although it's pointless. They could do what they tried to do in. 2009 or whatever the fuck it was uh with the mary elizabeth winstead film which was a re uh which was a remake slash sequel oh prequel sorry and but the problem with that movie was which this movie would have is that it's imitating it's still set in the same place same sort of cast of characters still doesn't have the same shock moments or whatever because you kind of know what's going to happen because it's a prequel and you know how the, the real movie starts and wh- what the go is there. So, uh, and that movie was called The Thing. And the original thing was just called the thing, thing, right? I think that's how the, 
Or vice versa? Nope, they both have the same name. Okay, even more confusing. Anyway, that movie wasn't very good. I have watched it. I can't remember. I mean, fuck it, was, it set the precedent of confusing there you go. film yeah. sequel names. Uh, so, no, I don't, I don't, we don't need this, but, but I will not get angry about it because I feel like Blumhouse has earned a little bit of a trust. You know? So, I'll, I'll give old Jason Blumhouse two shakes of my time and see what he can come up with over there. I just figure it's him just making all these movies. Jason, old Jason Blumhouse. Yep, just, just Jason. Isn't it weird that there's a production company, right, called Blumhouse, which is pretty famous now. Most people know what Blumhouse is. And most of the time, production yep. companies are just made-up names. But the dude's name is Jason Blumhouse. But that's that's the name. No, it's just Blum. Uh, he put House Oh, uh, yeah, he's the House of Blum. Yeah, the House of Blum. Still Blum weird house. though, right? Like you know, most most yeah, movie little. movie companies, the famous ones you can think of. Oh, shout out to Jessica Twentieth Century Fox. Like it's not a thing, <laughs> you know. Like Walt Walt Disney is a is a standout separate to this, obviously. That's <laughs> only the biggest production company that doesn't. Yeah, count. That, no, that one does count. But I'm just saying. Other than that, what else you got? Uh, I, I can think of I one more, but it's not very big. I'm sure there is. Yeah, heaps. Jerry Bruckheimer Productions, real on the nose. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not very big. That, that's not as big as everyone knows. Blumhouse, Weinstein Company. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Rip. you want an example? Miramax. So now, yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. You crashed uh, into the mountain with that st- one. <laughs> <laughs> Final story. Apparently, CW is currently working on a new project uh, from Oscar winner writer Diablo Cody uh, with uh, Greg Belanti as the uh, serving as executive producer. It's based on a animated project. Do you know what it is? I feel like I've read it, but I've already forgot. So they're going to do a live action. Sequel, Powerpuff Girls series. <coughs> <laughs> no, I have not read that. Coming in. Explain. Uh, Variety has the news about a live-action sequel series based on the Powerpuff Girls, as well as a description of what we can expect if the show moves forward. In the updated version of the series, the titular superheroes are now disillusioned 20-somethings who resent having their lo- ch- lost their childhood to crime-fighting. Will they agree to uni- reunite now that the world needs them more than ever? So, yes. A Powerpuff Girls series written by Diablo Cody set 10 years after the original series in live action on CW. Oh, Joe, Joe, Joe. Shout outs. Um, yeah, this sounds great. I'm all in. I mean, it's just crazy enough that it might work. Yeah, I think work. it will. I, I, here's how I want the show to go. They never come around. They're like, you don't deserve it. You all suck. Fucking normal humans. Pieces of shit. Don't deserve our help. Our help. Bloody old mate doctor, whatever their dad name was. Drug addict. just made us like Andy that. Serkis plays him. <laughs> 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 he plays Mojo Jojo. That's my number one thing because that's just my... Uh, what was the name of those teenage gang? Remember them? Did you ever watch Powerpuff Girls or is this after your time? No, not really. Okay, so I watched a lot of Powerpuff Girls. 
So there was a teenage gang. I think it was called like the Green Gang something. Or I don't know. And it was a teenage gang of like three. Yeah, who'll, who'll play them? Like all grown up now. I'll be like 30 something. Mojo Jojo. Yeah, I think they, I swear they did a movie where it was like they were a little bit older. Not like teenagers or whatever, but like it was like a year or a couple of years in or something like that. Um, sugar, spice and everything. Not nice. There's the tagline on the movie poster. Yeah. I hope they, I hope they remake the intro of the uh, the show. Listen, look forward to our fan cast article coming to Explosion Network. Sometime. Well, they already shot my fucking foot off with... Uh, I got excited about fucking Hilary Duff. In the Lizzie McGuire yeah. series? And then what happened with that? Is that still up in the yeah. air? I don't know. So many creative differences <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. So, Never know. get excited about any of these shows I used to watch when I was a kid come back anymore. <laughs> all right. That's all the news for this episode. It's been a long one. So let's get into what did we end up watching? Dylan, what did we end up watching? Uh, death at a funeral. God, I hate funerals, don't you? They're just so depressing. Just a, I don't know. It's just a death and everything. If there's anything I can do, Sandra, well, don't put your hand there, dear. You'll leave so much marks. Are you okay? I'm a bit nervous. You're on our way to a funeral, you wanker! Don't you have any respect? Okay. Calm down. Can I get you a cup of tea? Tea can do many things, Jane, but it can't bring back the dead. We can't fight what we had together. Justin, it was one night. It was a massive mistake. I was drunk out of my mind. You could have been a donkey. Um, so what are you doing next weekend? Have one of these. It'll make you feel better. <laughs> the Valium you gave to Simon wasn't actually Valium. <laughs> it's an hallucinogenic concoction. I must be going mad. Why are my hands so big? <laughs> Exciting, isn't it? Yes, the 2007 film directed by Frank Oz... Starring Ewan Bremmer, Peter Dinklage, Matthew McFadden, Chris Marshall, Alan Tudyk, uh, Rupert Graves, Andy Nyman, uh, Keely Hawes, Daisy Donovan. Um, chaos ensues when a man tries to expose a dark secret regarding a recently deceased patriarch of a dysfunctional British family. <laughs> yep. Uh, Dylan, have you watched uh, Death of Funeral before? Yes, I've seen this movie uh, a couple of times. Well, I had to pick this episode. I had never seen Death of Funeral. Uh, it was one of those films that was always talked about and was one that I knew I had to watch because obviously it very well received. Uh, and it, it lived up to it. I, I think it, it's a charming smaller film. It's not very big. It doesn't, it's very quite short. doesn't out, outstay its welcome. Uh, yeah, really enjoyable. Obviously, you know, they all go to a funeral and hijinks ensue. Uh, in really good cast, everyone gets kind of their moments, but obviously Alan Tudyk, I feel like, is a standout in this film. Um, someone who's accidentally gets on some uh, hallucinogenics. Uh, and, you know, great. I, I think the weird thing was watching uh, this, was seeing uh, Rupert Graves in the film, uh, who... I know from Sherlock and looks very different. All right, yeah. He plays Robert, the brother, yeah. Yeah, so I think we've got an opposite effect. So this is the this movie I watched when it came out on DVD yes. or whatever. 
And this is the first time I ever saw Alan Tudyk, Rupert Graves, Peter Dinklage, whoever the fuck else. Like, this is the first time I saw most of these people. Yes. So anything I've watched after, I'm like, that's the person from Death Head of Fear. That's the person from Death Head of Fear. Yeah. That's the best for Death Row. So, yeah, we've got opposite effects on this. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, so, yeah, I'm sure you really like this film. Uh, I do really like it. I, I still really like it. I guess I haven't, I haven't watched it for a few years. Number one thing that stands out if I was to, like, put up something that uh, that would probably have to change if I was to make it today is the, the punchline of... The gays. Uh, yeah, the, the gay man. It's, it's one like, of the gays. Yeah, the... the, the the gay sort of character type and like having the hide that because not because it's not written in a way that like it, it's hiding it because the the dead father was cheating on her wife that it's, it's hiding it because he was gay it's yes. the 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 negative connotation i don't think it ruins the film for me because as i said i've seen it several times before so i i it's fine i feel like if you hadn't seen this before and if someone watched it today and they had an issue of that i think it would kind of be justified i think it's sort of weird writing but it's it's kind of on that cusp, I guess, in two thousand seven, on a uh, to fit in there where they were still kind of writing bad stuff like that, yeah, character types like that. But no, the, Alan Tudyk is the standout, and the reason that I watched this so many times hmm. when I was in high school, whenever this came out, um, yeah, I was in high school. Uh, he is fantastic, and every this is as I said, this is the first thing I ever saw him in, and I didn't, I'd never even heard of Firefly <laughs> until like a couple <laughs> years after. Uh, this and everything after that, I, I was just thinking of Alan Tudyk in this, and just I have no, I've never even looked up if everything he did was on script or not. I like to imagine it was uh, just he, he, him no. ad libbing everything. Actually, <laughs> he was actually on drugs the entire yeah, time. He's just on drugs, but there's Went just method. so many, there's so many little things, <laughs> little random things he does, or just the way he like just does. I don't know. It can't. It can't be replicated. And to a point, since I'll bring it up quickly, they remade this movie a couple years later. Death at a Funeral. Uh, I watched it. American. I hate watched it pretty much. I didn't like the idea as soon as it was announced. Um, I think my hate was justified. It's not very good. And the reason it's not very good is because they just try making the exact same movie, but in a different setting. Uh, See, James they Martin- saw a description that said black comedy. Yeah, and they went. Oh, African American comedy. Yeah, yeah. It. but honestly, that's the biggest problem with uh, the remake is that instead of leaning more into the fact that it has a African American cast and like changing the jokes and family dynamic and whatever else to kind of uh, play more into that, because like the family dynamic in this film plays into the whole um, sort of uptight uh, father figure doesn't want the. The you know the daughter comes home oh no that you know like th- there are character types of British family being played at here and a lot of them maybe American audiences don't get and I feel like maybe we just t- kind of take them for granted because Australian and um, British sort of character types can often feel very similar that you see on TV or movies here and whatever else you know like a lot of there's sort of crossover. But when they tried to do the American one, they just they were basically the exact same characters except for they now they're played by um, a mostly old black cast. But they don't lean into the fact that they updated and changed the cast. Anyway, they have James Marston play Alan Tudyk's 
character in that. And I to define how Alan Tudyk's works and James Marsden's doesn't, Alan Tudyk is funny. <laughs> <laughs> and James Marsden very obviously watched this and is trying to do as crazy as Alan Tudyk, but you can tell he's trying hard. You know, if that makes any sense, like he's trying too hard to be crazy, like too, 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 too crazy because he watched this film and, that, and that, that's kind of the, the takeaway he took from it. Anyway, that movie shit, I have no idea. And the weird thing is they just hired Peter Dinklage to play the same character, but name him a different character. And that's very weird. And it's the exact same thing. It's quite odd. I'm sure he was like, yes, I'll take another million dollars to do the exact same fucking movie, but sure, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, super enjoyable. Lots of good laughs. Uh, really sweet. I, I kind of timeless ish. Other than that, the obviously that the references. I feel like it could pretty much be released at any possible time and still kind of work. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's just a really good script and obviously well directed by uh Frank Oz. Uh, last thing, last feature he is done. So, just crazy. That, I just, I think <laughs> I was trying to think of what my favorite moment is, and I actually think it's just, I think, and it's the one that made me laugh out loud the, the most rewatching it. So it has to be because I've seen it several times. Which is when they're just sitting there for the first time and they're doing the eulogy, and then Alan Tudyk says, "It moved, moved," and he just, the, I think it's his face and the fact he's trying to keep it in. And then his uh, girlfriend or whatever is just like, shut up. And he's like, oh, I can't. Yeah. And then eventually he stands up, someone's alive. <laughs> uh, and then it comes back. <laughs> yeah, it plays all back when someone is actually in there. And the fact he's just like it. sitting there like, I was fucking right. Like you can tell the look <laughs> on his face where he's just like still out on drugs, but like, I was right. Someone alive. <laughs> uh, no, I think when... Or is it Troy and Howard are like having a fight or something in the bathroom and Peter Dinklage has obviously just cracked his head on the table. Yep. Jumps <laughs> and up and down. Just pinch him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't know how to check a pulse or something, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. No, starting to be a pharmacist. Don't know how to check a pulse. No. no. Yeah. All right. That brings us to the end of this episode of What Do You Want to Watch? Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, explosionnetwork.com slash Twitter. Find all our handles there. Of course, just go to explosionnetwork.com to see our news, reviews, podcasts. Everything is over at explosionnetwork.com. If you want to help us out, leave us a review either on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser uh, or on Twitter or tell a friend about the podcast. Tell them about how we'll push them up a hill in a wheelchair. Uh, but we won't help them go to the bathroom. Wow. Probably we have to draw the, the line somewhere. I don't know where you're going with that. Draw the line somewhere. Uh <laughs> All right, thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.